But we teaching on the subject of faith and the process of faith. Uh, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. It says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. The end of your faith, according to Mark eleven twenty four, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. Having them is the end of your faith. That is uh, where we want to go. That's uh, where we want to end up. At the end of our faith where we have received the manifestation or the answer to our prayer, God has performed his word in our life, and we have seen a demonstration of God's goodness in our life. So prayer is purposeful. When you ask, uh, you believe that you have received, and so therefore you give praise to God uh, for the answer. And we, in our series that we've been teaching, talked about the focus of faith, maintaining your focus. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Well, maintaining your focus is necessary in order to get to the end of your faith. We also have been talking about endurance. We saw that Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. In other words, Moses kept his sight on God, and we are instructed in Hebrews 12 uh, to keep our sights on Jesus and sights on God as well. And look to the Word of God or look to the promises of God uh, in order to get to the end of our faith or to the answer for our prayer. So we're going to begin today in Hebrews chapter uh, three In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. We looked at this last week about considering Jesus. Well, in considering Jesus, obviously you're considering redemption. You're considering uh, the blood of Jesus. You're considering the death of Jesus on the cross. You're considering all the things that Jesus did in his death and resurrection. You're considering that God provides forgiveness. God provides uh, redemption. He provides uh, healing. He provides prosperity and provision. You're considering all the blessings that come or the promises of God that are a result of redemption and a result of Jesus giving his life, laying down his life in order for us to have life and have it more abundantly. So considering the promises of God is part of considering Jesus, considering redemption, considering what he has promised because all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. So we can add our amen to God's promises. Amen. All right. So then uh, today in considering Jesus, uh, we also are going to consider his faithfulness. And the next verse now, remember, he's the high priest of our profession. That is part of our considering. That Jesus is the high priest of our profession. And uh, being the high priest of our profession, profession or confession simply means to say the same thing or to agree with God. You're agreeing with God. You're agreeing with the Word of God. You're agreeing with the promises of God. You're agreeing uh, that God is true to His Word and that He is faithful. And so when we maintain our confession or bold confession of faith in God's word, then we're giving Jesus the opportunity to exercise his high priestly ministry 
on our behalf because he's the high priest of our profession. So that's why it's necessary that we maintain our confession. Praise God. All right, so looking at this verse, let's go now to the next verse. Who was faithful to him that appointed him? In other words, Jesus was faithful to God the Father, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. Moses was faithful in all his house, but Jesus was faithful to the Father. Now, I'm going to skip a few verses and go down to verse 6. Verse 6 says, But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we? We are referred to in Scripture as God's house, the household of faith, the building of God. So God has built us, and Jesus has built his church. He said upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we are the church, we are the body of Christ, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. So Jesus has built the church, and he says, but Christ as the son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing of hope unto the end. We are God's house, or we are Christ's house, if we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing of hope, firm unto the end. So holding fast to our confidence, holding fast to our faith. Now, one of the verses that we have shared in this series is that we are not, in Hebrews chapter 10, that we are not to cast away, therefore, our confidence, which has great recompense of reward. In other words, there is a payday. There is an end to your confidence. There is an end to your faith. And you will receive the end of your faith or the manifestation of God's promise in your life. So in this verse, he says that if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of hope firm to the end, the end there, I believe, is referring to Christ's coming and the end of the age and the end of this, our life down here, that we hold fast, firm, our confidence and our hope and our rejoicing until that day. But also it can be applicable in any given situation that you are facing in life, uh, whatever temptation or tests or trials or pressures of life that you are facing. Uh, thank God there's an end to that. There's an end to the pressure. There's an end to the affliction or end to uh, the things that have come against your life. And that is the end of your faith when you receive the fulfillment of the promise of God in your life. So God is faithful. So the emphasis in verse 2 is Jesus was faithful to him that appointed him or faithful to the Father God. But Jesus is also faithful as our high priest. He is faithful to do his high priestly duty. In other words, he is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And if you will confess the word and you will maintain a bold confession of faith, God has, has Jesus at his right hand as an intercessor, as your high priest. And he's standing there on your behalf. And he will declare the promises of God over you. Amen. And it's all based on the blood of Jesus. He's your high priest today. He entered in once with his own blood into the heavenly holy of holies, into the presence of God, into the uh, very holy of holies for you 
by his own blood and with his own blood, and that blood is still speaking on your behalf. So when you speak about the blood, then Jesus is speaking about the blood, and the Father God is acknowledging what Jesus has done, and the results of that blood and the results of redemption can be released in your life. And when you're speaking the promises of God, it's always in relationship to redemption. It's always in relationship to the blood of Jesus because all the promises of God are a result of what he did. So when you're speaking the word and you're speaking the promises of God, Jesus, your high priest, is declaring that word over you as well. Now let's go to chapter 4. In chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Seeing that we have this great high priest that is passed into the heavens, he is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, the Son of God, he says, let us hold fast our profession. So since Jesus is there on our behalf, and he is our high priest, and Jesus is interceding for us, and he is uh, standing on our behalf, and his blood is speaking on our behalf, When we acknowledge that, when we see Jesus as our high priest, then we are admonished to hold fast to our profession. Now, I used to work construction and uh, as uh, uh, actually, I'll not tell the whole story, but basically I worked in construction uh, and I did construction work to go through Bible school. I was a carpenter, did carpentry work there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So when uh, I think about fastening, or holding fast. I think of fasteners, which are screws or bolts or things that hold things together. And, uh, you know, in your life, you're going to have some things that try to shake you. The book of Hebrews tells us that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And, uh, but there's one thing that's going to stand, and that's Jesus, and that's God, and that's the Word of God, and the promises of God, that God's Word never fails. His promises endure throughout eternity. So then, when you're relying on the promises of God, you're relying on something that's going to last forever. It's not going to pass away. Jesus is uh, Lord forever. I mean, he's risen from the dead. He's never going to have to die again. The promises of God are good. The covenant of God is good. And it will, the promises of God are sure to every generation. He keeps covenant to a thousand generations. So we have something that we can rely on that is secure in a time where our world has seemingly been shaken all over the world. And, uh, but thank God, uh, with all the shaking that is going on, thank God we can stand fast and we can be secure in the word of God. And we can have our faith held fast and our confession held fast. It's like screwing the screws tight. It's like tightening the bolts. And if you get a little shaken and the bolt gets a little loose, you just tighten it up. And if you tighten up the bolts, so to speak, or you hold fast to your confession, then you'll stay steady in God because it's more than you that's holding you. It's more uh, than what you can do to hold you steady. It is your confession in faith in God. That God, there is an anchor 
for your soul that goes right into the veil or into the presence of God. When you're maintaining your confession of faith, then God will hold your soul in life. And God will protect and preserve you and keep you and propel you to the end of your faith so that you get to the place where the manifestation has occurred. Can you say amen? So he says, hold fast. Well, the temptation is to let go. When the pressures are on and when the te- uh, afflictions or the uh, tests come to your life, the temptation is to let go of your confession. That's why we're admonished to hold fast. Hold fast to the confession of your faith. Let's go to verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity, but was tempted or in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So our high priest can be touched with the feeling of our infirmity or our weaknesses because he's been tested like we are tested. In other words, he's been through all you've been through plus. Double, triple, quadruple. I mean, you know, no, no comparison to what Jesus suffered uh, to your sufferings in life. And so when we consider Jesus and we are seeing him as our high priest, then we don't have a high priest that cannot relate to us. We don't have a high priest that cannot understand our weaknesses or understand the trouble or the test that you're going through. And we can look to him and rely upon him that he knows, but he also can do something about it. He can turn our captivity. He can change our situation. He can uh, reform some things. And things that have been shaken, uh, they may be shaken away, but there's one thing that's going to stay, and that's you and God. Hallelujah. All right, so let's go uh, to the next verse. He says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, because we have this high priest that is uh, in the heavens. He's at the right hand of the throne of God. He's seated there. And uh, we have this high priest that can relate to us because he's been tempted in all of these different points of temptation. And he understands what we're going through. He says, now let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Come to the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy. That we could obtain mercy from God. That we may find grace to help. When? In a time of need. So in your time of need, there is grace to help. In your time of pressure, in your time of affliction or a time of testing in your life, thank God there is grace and you can find grace to help. Where are you going to find it? Right in His Word. You're going to find it in His presence. Praise God. Getting in the presence of God, getting in the Word of God, there's an answer for your situation. There's an answer because the Scripture says, there is no temptation but such as is common to man, but He will provide or make a way of escape. In other words, God always makes a way of escape out of every temptation. No temptation that comes to you that somebody else hasn't gone through. So the devil would like to isolate you and make you feel like nobody's ever gone through what you're going through. Well, if, even if there were no one else, but the scriptures basically say, telling you that it's common to man. Other people have faced some of the same things that you're facing. And not only that, Jesus for sure has faced your obstacles. He was, he was tempted in what? All points. Like as we are in the same way we're tempted. And it says... Yet he did not sin. 
Praise God. So he's able to keep you. He's able to help you. He's able to strengthen you. He's able to secure you. He's able to get you strong and secure so that you're not moved away from your confession. So holding fast to your confession holds you close to Jesus. I'll say it again. Holding fast to your confession holds you close to Jesus. And if you're close to him, you're in a very safe place. You're in a secure place. Amen? Now, Jesus is really, as our high priest, he's admonishing us to hold fast our confession. And he is letting us know that he has gone through the same kind of test that you've gone through and much, much more. And how did he handle the pressure? What did he do when he was on the earth And he was tempted like as we are. He was a real man going through real temptation because, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, well, he was God. So that's different. No, he was living as a man and he was identifying with human frailty, human weakness. He was identifying with human problems that people face every day. And he was healing the sick and he was helping those that were poor. He was feeding those that needed food. He was doing all kinds of things to bring blessing to humanity. He was relating to human problems and he faced them himself. And so because he faced them, he can relate to you. He can understand you and he can help you in your time of need. Well, one of the ways that he's going to help us is he's going to tell us what to do. And he tells us in these verses what to do, right? Hold fast your profession. Well, if he was tempted in all points, what did he do when he was tempted? Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to begin with verse 1. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, which would be a good admonition for us. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he's in the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. So in 40 days, he's been tempted by the devil. Now, sometimes we don't know how long our test is going to last. Sometimes we don't know how long the pressure is going to be there. But we do know in whom we have believed. We do know who can change circumstances on our behalf, right? So here Jesus is tempted for 40 days. And afterward, he's hungry. He's he's hungered. In other words, he's been fasting for 40 days. He's been tested for 40 days. But at the end of this, he's very hungry. And the devil said unto him. So the devil not only sends circumstances, but the devil talks. Are you with me? He talks to your mind. Makes suggestions to your mind. And understanding that the devil would suggest things to your mind is helpful in your life to know that every thought that comes to your mind is not necessarily your own. So he says, and the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Well, he questions Jesus' identity. 
So the devil will question your identity and who you are and who you are in Christ. Well, the next verse says that Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. This verse of scripture stands out to me strongly because many years ago when I was working in a grocery store as a teenager, uh, actually the management wanted me to be a manager and I'm just uh, in as a teenager, but I'd worked hard and, and they saw some potential there. And so uh, they were in, encouraging me about management. Well, they took me through grocery training, then I was in produce training, and then next I would go through meat training. Well, I, I didn't think I would stay there for a long time, but anyway, I went through the training. And uh, so they wanted me to stay with them and, and uh, be an assistant manager and then per, uh, later a manager of a store. And, uh, but I had a call of God on my life, so I knew that I was called to preach and I knew that I had to prepare for that. And at a certain point, I made a decision. I believed it was the right decision at the time uh, to just, because I did not want to continue on that journey of uh, pursuing management. And so I worked as a, in construction. My brothers both were in construction. So I went to work in construction uh, for a short time with them, knowing that uh, very soon I was going to go to Bible college. Well, when I told the manager that I was resigning, uh, he said, you know, I, he really encouraged me about staying with them. And uh, he uh, asked the superintendent over about 15, 16 stores uh, to come in and talk to me as well. So he comes in and talks to me. And, and they are trying to talk me out of what I was going to do. And that was to go into construction. I didn't talk to them about ministry. If they didn't understand construction, they were not going to understand ministry. So I, I chose not to even go there with them. Well, anyway, they're trying to talk me out of it. Well, the last day, I, I said, thank you very much, but I uh, held to my decision and uh, very much appreciated their uh, caring about me and so forth and wanting me to succeed, but uh, I believed I had another journey in, in my future. So the last day, I was fasting, and I was working very hard, and my coworkers were telling me, you don't have to work that hard. You don't have to do that. I said, well, I'm going to give them my best job uh, the last day, uh, just like I have every day up to, the, up to this time. And so, but while I was fasting that day, this verse of Scripture just kept coming up on the inside of me because the superintendent was say, uh, saying, you know, you, you want to be able to take care of your family. I'm just a teenager, you know. You want to be able to take care of your family. I'm not married. Don't have a family, but I eventually would. So uh, he's telling me about maybe construction is not going to be the most uh, successful for you. So uh, he's trying to talk me out of it. He's giving me practical reasons why. And, uh, but that day, this word kept coming up in my heart. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So when you are faced with temptations in your life, the Holy Spirit will bring up a word on the inside. That word is your word. Not just what you read in the Bible, but what you've read in the Bible and what the Holy Spirit brings up on the inside of you in that moment. So all day, that word, that scripture would just keep rising up on the inside. I'm just working all day, as hard as ever. But that word 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So my pursuit in my heart was to pursue the word of God, pursue preaching the word of God, and doing the will of God for my life. So the Holy Spirit was giving me a word in season. Now the next verse says, and the devil taking him. In other words, if that one doesn't work, you'll try another angle. The devil takes him up into a high mountain, uh, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So he's giving him a picture of all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said unto him, said to him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. So he's promising him the world, so to speak. He's giving uh, Jesus this opportunity, seemingly, of a lifetime to a lot of people in the world because they think, well, I can do this. I can be an entertainer. I can be uh, a a great business person. And certainly, uh, we're not saying that any of them would be bad unless they are bad. You know, it depends on what you do with it. But I'm just saying that sometimes people, they're pursuing fame and pursuing glory. They're pursuing something that is not going to satisfy in the end. God wants you to succeed in business. He wants you to succeed in whatever you set your hand to. But you always want to give the glory to God. All right, so let's look at it again. He says, I will give you all of these kingdoms and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, he is referred to in Scripture in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, as the God of this world. That's delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. If you'll worship me. Well, you know, you could uh, be a successful business person and not worship money or worship success. You can be a successful business person and worship money. And worship success. In other words, that becomes your God. Or you could uh, be an entertainer and not uh, go for the... There are good entertainers that love God and that are faithful to God and serve God. So you can do anything and give glory to God in your life. You can succeed in life and give the glory to God. But here in this case, the devil is trying to get him to worship him. If you'll simply fall down and worship me, you don't want to worship anything. You don't want to worship your job. You don't want to worship a business. You don't want to worship success. You don't want to worship entertainment or entertainers. You don't worship anyone or anything but God. And you could easily be swayed by this world. Anybody could if they listen to the spirit of this world. So worship God. So Jesus' response to this test and this temptation is what? He said, Thou shalt worship. Let's go to verse 8. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. So Jesus goes back to the word. Now my spiritual father, Dad Hagen, and also Pastor B.B. Hankins, both of them said often, Always ask yourself, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? In any given situation, what does God's Word say to this situation? What does God's Word say? What is the promise of God to me in this situation? So Jesus goes right to the Word. And he, you know, he didn't just make up something else. I mean, he's the creator, isn't he? But what did he go to? He went right to the Word. As our example, he tells us what to do. 
Hold fast to the confession of your faith. So Jesus says, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So God is first. If you always keep God first in your life, you don't worship government, you don't worship success, you don't worship anything in this world. You don't worship things. You don't worship a car. You can enjoy it and not worship it. But some people worship. They bow down for stuff. They bow down to stuff. They bow down to success. But God doesn't want us to bow down to anything but Him. Him only shall you serve. You shall worship the Lord your God. So if we'll keep God first in our lives, keep God's Word first place in our life, it will keep us on track. It'll keep us focused on Jesus, seeing Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, seeing Jesus, who is our high priest, who is passing to the heavens, looking unto him, looking to him and maintaining your confession of faith in God. Faith in Jesus Christ enables you to stay steady when everything seems like it's shaking all around you. Things seem like they're shaking loose, and some things need to shake loose. Some things need to shake off your life. Some things you need to shake off. And so, in any case, whatever's going on in your life, whatever pressures, whatever temptations or tests, whatever the devil is saying or suggesting to your mind, you have something in the Word of God that is a response, that gives you a, a, a successful response and a successful outcome. So he said, thou shalt worship the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Well, that's worshiping God. That's loving God. Doing what you want to do. You want to serve Him with everything in you. With your heart, with your soul, with your mind, with your life, with your actions, with your attitudes, everything about your life. Giving your all to Jesus. Amen? And so, let's go further here in this passage. Then the devil goes to the Bible. So if you don't think the devil knows the Bible, he knows something about the Bible. The devil said to Jesus, it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee, which is written in Psalm 91, to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus was able to recognize the devil's tactic, that he uses another angle. And when you rightly divide the word of truth, you don't use it and abuse it, right? You use it wisely. And so Jesus responds to the devil speaking the word and said, Jesus answered and said unto him, it is said, or another way of saying, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended the all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. So Jesus' response to that temptation, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. In other words, he took him up on the pinnacle of the temple and he basically said, cast yourself down, and what? The angels will take care of you. Well, Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Well, at that point, the devil 
ended the temptation. He's been tempted for 40 days, right? The devil ended the temptation. It says for a season. Well, the end of the devil's temptation is a time when you have full manifestation. In other words, God has answered your prayer. There is an end to his temptation. There is an end to his test. There's an end to the devil's lies. There's an end to his destruction. There's an end to his robbing from your life. There's an end. You know, it says there was the end. We have seen the end of the Lord concerning Job's life in, in the book of James. We've seen the end of the Lord. And the end of the Lord was the end of Satan's destruction in his life. Right? And the restoration of Job's life in every way. His health was restored. His family was restored. His prosperity was restored. His uh, business, so to speak, was restored. Everything was restored in Job's life that the devil had stolen. And not only was it restored, but double restoration in his life. He had double twice as much as he had before. So when the devil comes to steal from your life and he comes to tempt or test or try you or put the pressures on you, the end of that thing is that he's going to stop in his maneuvers and his works of darkness are going to be ended and God's grace and God's blessing is going to be on your life and God will restore. And that is his promise. Hallelujah. I will restore. I will restore health unto you and heal you of all your wounds. I will restore. He didn't say I might, but I will restore health unto you and I will heal you of all your wounds. So God is the restorer. Healing is God's restoration. Prosperity is God's restoration. You may have lost a lot of things in this last seven months here, but I'll tell you, there is a restoration day. There is an end of your faith. There is an end of this situation, and God will restore everything that has been lost, and we believe not only everything that has been lost, but he's going to restore double for your trouble and the blessing of the Lord is coming back to your life and you're going to see the blessing in ways you've seen it through this time. I said, you've seen it through this time. The blessing of God, the keeping power of God, the goodness of God, the mercies of God. And you can find mercies every day. Hallelujah, because they're new every morning. You can find the mercy of God, and you can find the grace of God that is needed, necessary for your life. There's help in your time of need, and you need to simply hold fast to your confession and let Jesus, your high priest, take care of business on your behalf. Amen? And while you're talking the words, speaking the word and holding fast, Jesus is talking for you. Jesus is speaking up at the Father's right hand on your behalf, and you will see the end of your faith, the deliverance of your life. Amen. Amen.